It's time to be equipped for spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on biblical truth and defend their faith. Now, here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and we're coming to you from KBXL 94.1 FM, The Voice. Now, our show is about teaching on the topics of creation evolution, biblical apologetics, and even this thing called moral relativism. In other words, we're training you how to defend your faith in God's Word. Now, our ministry, we do have a ministry called Creation Training Initiative, or if you like three letters, CTI, Creation Training Initiative. And you can find us on the web at creationtraining.org. That's creationtraining.org. We also encourage you to email us with your comments about this show, or if you have anything particular you'd like to have answered on creation evolution, and you can email us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at creationtraining.org. Now, our topic today in defending our faith is called the fossil record. Background. How does something become a fossil, and why should we care? Well, first of all, the evolutionists use the fossil record as so-called proof that evolution is true and the Bible must be wrong. Let's get back to how do you become a fossil? Well, let's keep this very simple. I like simple. Number one, you have to be buried rapidly. Why? To keep the oxygen out and keep the scavengers out. Then you can have the potential to become a fossil. Now, does the fossil record really support evolution? Well, we're commonly taught in schools that the fossil record is excellent proof for evolutionism. If that is true, folks, then your Bible is wrong. So this doesn't make a difference to Christians what we believe. However, I'm going to talk today about many reasons why the fossil record does not support evolutionism. We're going to look at just four of those facts. There's many. We're going to look at four of the facts that show the fossil record does not support evolutionism. And the sad part about this is, all four of these are based on science, and they're all four have been censored out of our school textbooks. Why? Because today in our schools, they would rather support evolutionism than good, observable science. So let's go through fact number one. It's called the Cambrian Explosion. Now, what is the Cambrian Explosion? Now, don't think of this as a dynamite explosion. That's not what it is. When we look at the fossil record, when the picture we normally see in the textbooks, we see the least complex creatures on the bottom. As we go up the, the column, we see more and more complex creatures. Well, we really don't need to talk about the entire fossil record, the entire geologic column. In the Cambrian explosion, what we need to do is go down to the bottom layers, the Cambrian and Precambrian layers. Why? Because what we find down there are fossils of single cells. Yes, we do find fossils of single cells. Then we find fossils of very complex creatures like jellyfish, trilobites, which have a very complex eye mechanism. We find seashells and even some fish down there. Now, here's the clue. What don't we find in those bottom layers? No transitions. No transitions leading up to these complex creatures. You see, if evolution was true, since we find fossils of single cells, we find fossils of two-cell, five-cell, ten-cell, hundred-cell, thousand-cell creatures. But there are absolutely no transitions in the bottom layers leading up these very complex creatures. It's as if, and this might surprise some of you out there, it's as if 
They were all created after their kind. So the, the Cambrian explosion, a tremendous explosion of complex creatures found in the fossil record with no transitions. Now, Norman Nevin, who's a professor of medical genetics, makes this statement about the Cambrian explosion, and he states, the evidence points to the appearance of many new animal forms and body plans and fossils without transitional fossils or common ancestors in the early Cambrian rocks. There's a pretty good scientist saying there are no transitions. Now, let's go to a, a textbook and called the Integrative and Comparative Biology Textbook. And this is what they say. Understanding how diverse body plans evolved remains one of the most exciting and challenging goals for evolutionary and developmental biologists alike. Notice what they just said there. They used the word evolution, but they said, we can't really figure out how all this happened. Why? They can't find the transitions. Charles Darwin, in his book, and I'm going to give you the full title, and we need to make sure our students know the full title when they go to the classrooms State the full title, because it's rather embarrassing to evolutionists. And here's the full title of Charles Darwin's book. On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Did you get that? Part of the full title in his book is Favored Races. Now, Charles Darwin believed in races, didn't he? And that's a shame, because that's very anti-science. And here's what he has to say in his book. Why is species have descended from other species by insensibly fine graduations? Do we not find everywhere these see do we not see everywhere innumerable transitional forms? Why is not all nature in confusion instead of species being as we see them well defined? Charles Darwin noted we cannot find any real transitions, but yet he continued to believe in his philosophy. Now, scientists know the Cambrian explosion is a real problem for evolutionists. Even the evolutionists know that. In the journal American Scientist, it states, As Darwin noted in The Origin of Species, the abrupt emergence of anthropods in the fossil record during the Cambrian presents a problem for evolutionary biology. There are no obvious, simpler, or intermediate forms, either living or in the fossil record. Wow! That was in the journal American Scientist. Now, let me give you an example of deception that is happening to our students. This is called real deception. This is not called evolution, but deception. Now, I'm going to read you this quote from a biology textbook, and it's not what they say, it's what they won't say. And I quote, Paleontologists called the diversification of life during the early Cambrian period the Cambrian explosion. For the first time, organisms had hard parts, including shells and outer skeletons. During the Cambrian period, the first known representatives of most animal phyla evolved. Notice they say this all happened through evolution. But here's what they don't say, that we can't find any transitions to support this great claim. Folks, great claims require real, evolu real evidence, and the evolutionists cannot produce that evidence. Therefore, we should take this whole idea out of the science textbook because they cannot support it through real evidence. Folks, this is not education. This is deception. And our youth need to be taught about this. See, if people really believe evolution is true, and scientists have the facts to support it, then why must they continue to resort to deception and misinformation? 
perhaps because evolution is not scientific, but rather philosophy or just a worldview. So that's evidence number one why the fossil record does not support evolution. You see, almost every body shape shows up in the Cambrian, Precambrian era with no transitions leading up to them. So let's go to evidence number two, the fossil graveyards. Now again, how are fossils formed? They must be buried rapidly. Now all over the world, scientists find fossil, what we call fossil graveyards. These fossil graveyards contain fossils from many geographic areas, all in sediments, get this now, laid down by water. Did you get that? Almost all fossils we find are found in sediments laid down by water. Almost sounds like a flood, doesn't it? Let's take a couple of examples. In Nebraska, they found a fossil graveyard of about 9,000 animals. Let me read to you some of the types of creatures they found in this fossil graveyard. Rhinoceros, horses, camels, boars, birds, plants, trees, seashells, and fish. Now, all these creatures don't live in the same area, but they were all buried in sediments laid down by water in Nebraska. Now, in Alberta, Canada, there's a huge graveyard that stretches for hundreds of miles and holds even many dinosaur bones fossilized, again, in sediments laid down by water. Now, graveyard of fossils have been found in South Africa. The Karoo Formation in South Africa alone contains fossil remains of millions of animals in sediments laid down by water. In the Como Bluffs in Wyoming, there's a dinosaur graveyard that stretches for seven miles. And in those seven miles, they have found 483 dinosaurs, all fossilized. That's an incredible amount of fossilization here. Seven miles? Folks, these creatures don't, don't fall dead and lay on the ground to become fossils. They have to be buried rapidly. Long, slow processes will not do that. Evolution doesn't look very good here. Well, let's go to the Cleveland Lloyd Quarry in Utah. Over 12,000 bones belonging to at least 74 individual dinosaurs were found there. In Alaska and Siberia, a graveyard of bears, wolf, foxes, badgers, saber-toothed cats, jaguar, lynx, mammoths, horses, camels, antelope, elk, and many other types of rodents, all found in a fossil graveyard laid down by water. Then we have Dinosaur National Monument in Utah, a fossil graveyard which contains over 1,600 individual bones from 11 different species of dinosaurs, including several complete skeletons. This had to happen rapidly. Are you getting the idea? This is all over the world we're finding these. Then we can go to the Grand Canyon. Well, wait a minute now. Fossils in the Grand Canyon? Yes, we find many, not just rodents, we find sea creatures in the Grand Canyon. And let me remind you, the Grand Canyon is about a mile above sea level. What did they find there? Billions, that's billions with a B, of straight-shelled, we call nautiloids. Those are those long, cigar-shaped type creatures. They're all found fossilized with other marine creatures in a seven-foot-thick area in the Grand Canyon. Billions of these creatures that live in the oceans were found in the Grand Canyon, about a seven-foot-thick area. 
These were all laid down rapidly, not by long, slow processes. Then we can go to France. Hundreds of thousands of marine creatures are buried with amphibians, spiders, scorpions, millipedes, insects, and reptiles, all in a fossil graveyard in France. Germany is a home of another fossil graveyard, including the deposit are more than 6,000 types of fossil vertebrae, including many insects and plants. Then we can even go to the Gobi Desert of Central Asia. It's one of the Earth's most desolate places. What did they excavate there? Dinosaurs, lizards, and small mammals in an unprecedented state of preservation. Do you get that? Dinosaurs buried with mammals. According to evolution, they didn't live at the same time. So we find these fossil graveyards all over the world. What natural occurrence could account for these great fossil graveyards, including the dinosaurs found all over the world? Certainly, again, not evolutionary, long, slow processes. See, the best answer, the best answer is a worldwide flood as described in the book of Genesis. You see, the data matches what the Bible teaches, not evolution. So why don't our students believe in the Bible? Because this evidence is not allowed to be taught in the public school system. And if it is, it is ignored or it is downplayed or not taught honestly. So we've had two so far. We've had the Cambrian explosion refutes evolutionism. Fossil graveyards refutes evolution. Now let's go to evidence number three, what we call living fossils. Now what is a living fossil? Well, it's a living animal that matches fossils that are considered by evolutionists to be extremely old. In other words, we find a creature living today and we find a fossil of that creature, and they look near identical. And in many of these cases, the creatures were supposed to be extinct, but we found them still living to go today. In other words, they were supposed to be extinct for millions of years, but they're still living today. There's another problem with evolution. Now, let's go through some of these. This first one might surprise you. Did you know fossil turtles look just like living turtles today? In other words, turtles have always looked like turtles. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's another one. An alleged, now I'm going to say alleged because this is according to evolutionist dating in ages. An, an alleged 400 million year old starfish was found. And guess what it looks like? A living starfish today. Can you imagine that? 400 million years, starfish never evolved. They stayed starfish. Here's another alleged claim by evolutionists. A 50-million-year-old fossil bat was found, and it looks identical to bats living today. Fossil shrimp still look like fossil shrimp. No change. Fossil dragonflies look just like living dragonflies today. Then they found an alleged, again alleged, 100-million-year-old alligator and looks identical to alligators living today. Then there was an alleged 100-million-year-old coelacanth fish. That's a good word for a spelling bee, coelacanth. C-O-E-L-A-C-I-N-T-H, coelacanth fish. These were supposed to be extinct for almost 70 million years. Then they found them living in the early 1900s. And guess what these coelacanths look like? Exactly like they're living fish today. No change. 
and alleged 130-year-old lizards were found. They look just like lizards today. Fossil frogs look like frogs today. Then they found an alleged 420-million-year-old elephant shark. It looks exactly like elephant sharks living today. Folks, where is the evolution? About the only place we find evolution today are pictures drawn by artists in textbooks. If evolution is claimed to be true, then they must be able to present the facts. And we need to start involving in our school system with evolution something called critical thinking or critical analysis. Why are evolutionists so afraid of critical thinking and critical analysis? Well, there's three evidences. Let's go to evidence number four now. What do we observe happening today? Now, observation is what we might call the highest form of science. Not conjecture, not assumptions, not theories, but we're going to talk about observational science. What do we observe happening today? Well, here's what we actually observe. Elephants produce elephants. Cows produce cows. Dogs produce dogs. Cats produce cats. Fish produce fish. Monkeys produce monkeys. Bacteria produce bacteria. This is all we ever observe. Everything produces after its kind. Therefore, we could say the observational evidence, not speculation or assumptions, clearly supports the Bible created after their kind. So what can we conclude from the fossil record? Jonathan Sarfati, who has a Ph.D. in physical chemistry, states it this way. Missing intermediate forms have been a major problem for evolutionists ever since Darwin. Indeed, fossils in general are strong evidence not for eons of evolution, but for rapid burial. See, the vast majority of fossils used as evidence for evolutionary transitions display only small-scale variation. That's all we see. Very small-scale variation in kinds. This is nothing more than what we just said, variation within kind. This fits well with what the Bible teaches. God allows for variation within kind. In other words, God created each kind with information in our DNA to have the capacity for moderate changes in order to adjust to different situations or environments, such as hot and cold climates or high altitude, but not the ability to become a new kind of creature as evolutionary philosophy teaches. So now, why should this be important to Christians? Why is the fossil record important to Christians? Because it's a tool the world is using to convince Christians that the Bible is not true, especially our youth. It's a stumbling block. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it commands us to bring down all strongholds and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're told to do that. That includes the fossil record. Why is it important to Christians? It deals with the authority of Scripture and the very foundation for the gospel. How does it deal with the authority of Scripture? The Bible teaches very clearly that God created everything after its kind. The Bible also teaches very clearly that he did this in six literal days. If those verses do not mean what they clearly state, then how can we trust other parts of the Bible, such as the Genesis flood? Maybe it was just a local flood. How about the Tower of Babel? Should we believe that? Was Jonah really in the big fish for three days? Maybe we don't want to believe that. 
the burning bush that was not consumed, should we abandon that? Was Daniel really in the den's den of lions? Maybe he really wasn't. It's just a story. Did Jesus really turn water into wine? Did he really walk on water? Did he really heal the sick and the lame? And that happened immediately. Did he really feed 5,000 from five loaves of bread and two fish? Did he really raise from the dead after three days? You see, if we can't believe the first chapters of Genesis, why would we believe anything else in God's word? See, God even wrote down in the Ten Commandments that he created everything in six days. In Exodus 20, verse 11, God wrote this down on the stone tablets. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. When we read texts such as the Bible or any other written account, there are rules to abide by to help understand the intended meaning called context. See, we need to keep things in context, not change the words around. Now, according to evolutionists, the geologic column displays hundreds of millions of years of creatures living, dying, and becoming fossils. According to evolutionists, most of this would have taken place before man was around. In other words, there would have been death, disease, and decay before man was here. But you know what the New Testament teaches? In Romans 5.12, it states, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. In Romans 6.23, it states, For the wages of sin is death. In 1 Corinthians 15.21, it states, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. So the Bible very clear teaches there was no death before sin. But yet, if you're believing in millions of years of fossil record and evolution, then you're clearly believing there was death before sin. And ladies and gentlemen, that destroys the very foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if sin was not the cause of all death, then why did Jesus have to go to the cross? You see, it does make a difference what we believe about the fossil record. It makes a very big difference on the authority of Scripture and our understanding of the gospel. Well, I'm Mike Riddle, and you've been listening to Defending the Faith. Our website is creationtraining.org, creationtraining.org. And we do appreciate your financial support to keep this teaching on the radio. We can always use your financial support. If you'd like to give us a gift, you can send your gifts to CTI, that's short for Creation Training Initiative, CTI, Post Office Box 2415. That's Post Office Box 2415, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. Or you can donate online by going to our website, creationtraining.org. And you can actually even request us to come to your church and speak. We do look forward to hearing from you. And again, you can email us at info at creationtraining.org. I'm Mike Riddle, and this has been Defending the Faith. Thank you, and God bless you.